eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Go back to the beginning a little bit. You're a fifth-round pick out of uh, Southwest Missouri State, it was called at the time. Uh, yeah, it's scouting report on Ryan Howard coming out of college. Um, scouting report, man, I would probably say the scouting report, I don't know, because I felt like I was uh, pretty pretty deadly. Probably, probably strikes out a lot. Um, uh, not as fleet of foot. I was a little bit faster back then, but, um, I would say, you know, the, the, the strong thing is, is plus plus power, um, puts the ball in play, can hit, depends, essentially hit for average. This was before shifts started coming into play. Um, but drives the ball well to the opposite field. You you come out Oh, four was your first year, first taste. You get, you get a call up. Oh five, you're the rookie of the year. You hit twenty two, sixty three. Limited at bats, I saw. Mm. Uh, that's at 05. The fastest guy to a hundred home runs ever. The fastest guy to two hundred home runs ever. Oh six, you're an all star. You hit three thirteen. You only hit fifty eight homers that year, and drove in one hundred and forty nine. You win every award you can uh, in 06. You win the most valuable player, the Hank Aaron Award, which I it's an underrated award, the Hank Aaron Award. I think it's great. There's not enough made of it, um, but you won that. You won Silver Slugger. Uh, what a year. Oh, 07, you hit 47, 136. You, you fell out of the 40s, Ryan. We talked about the 08 year. 09, you drive in 141 again. You're an all-star in, in 9 and 10. 11, you drive in 116. That's when it happened. Tell me about the injury that changed. Because, I mean, right there, that's first ballot Hall of Fame. This guy has – he's on his way right now. And in 2011, you get hurt. Tell me – talk to me through that injury and and how devastating it was. 
Yeah, no, it was it was crazy. Um, you know, later on in the season, uh, probably kind of like late August, going into September, I was kind of having some some a little bit of discomfort in my my left heel. Um, but you know, as we all do, we just kind of continue to try to play through it. And you know, was either told I can get like a cortisone shot or um, you know something like that, and try to continue to try to help play. And wound up doing it, and then you get down to what I would say was one of the the, the greatest games, um, at least for me, to have been a part of. Unfortunately, we came up on the wrong side of it. Was you know that the, the the game against the Cardinals, and it was Chris Carpenter against Roy Halladay, like two buddies just going out and uh, just absolutely dealing. And it's one of those games to where as a fan, I think in, in a baseball, you know, a true baseball fan, it's, it was probably one of the most exciting games because it was a one nothing game, but both pitchers were on and get down to the last at bat. I'm the last, uh, there's two outs and I'm, I'm sitting up there and I know what Carp is going to throw me. He's going to throw me kind of this, this kind of cutter slider he's been throwing. And so I try to get ready for it. And I just missed it and kind of top it to uh, to second. And and then I just – next thing I knew, I was on the ground. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you got to get up. Like, you can't be on the ground. Like, that ball's in right field. So I when I hit it, I thought initially it was like out in right field, like that right fielder was about to field it. And uh, got up, tried to run, and then just kind of felt like this – like a like – a, a flap just kind of like uh, a, a window shade flap just kind of rolling up the back of my leg and just got this like burning tingling sensation. And I'm like, yeah, that's not good. And my foot was just kind of flat and couldn't get any kind of push or anything. And, and after uh, I got thrown out at first, I was, I was down and it was just tough. Um, you know, it was it was it was tough losing the game, um, and and it was it was tough having the injury, um, but you know, trying to come back from it. Uh, I mean, I think hindsight was being twenty twenty now on this side. I'd probably say I probably tried to come back from it a little bit too fast. Um, probably should have taken a little bit more time just to continue to try to make sure it was fully, fully, uh, you know healed more than a hundred percent, like 115%. Um, but you know, such as life and such as, is baseball, we always want to be out there and we always have that mindset that like, Hey, you know, me at 60% is better than a lot of guys at a hundred percent. So, um, you know, you want to try to be out there with your, with your teammates and trying to help the guys win and, and do what you can. So I, I would say, you know, obviously looking back that probably tried to come back a little bit too fast from that. The interesting the debate I've had, because I've never had to deal being that big guy, Ryan. I've always I've always been the five ten guy on a on a good day. You know, buddies of mine like Richie Sexton. You know, I used to mm-hmm. tease him when 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 we'd hit together. And I'd say, "Oh, it must be nice having that leverage." You know, oh, he goes, "Yeah, Boone, it must be light, nice having those short arms where so much can't go wrong." Try being this big walking around life. And, and we used to laugh and go back and forth with each other. But but it is a, a true question, and it's 
for the Aaron judges of the world, for, for the Giancarlo Stantons, for the Richie Sexons, for yourself, big, you know, six, four, six, five, six, six guys. Is there a bigger challenge you think to staying on the field? Is it tougher to, because you're so big for everything to, to kind of stay in accordance? You know what? That's a great question. I mean, obviously everybody's physical makeup is different. Um, you know, I think as you have some of the guys that are bigger guys, I think the guys in today's game do a lot better job taking care of themselves. Um, nutrition, um, some of the training that, that guys do. But I, I will say, I mean, like, obviously, like being a bigger guy, I think it just a lot of it just depends, man. Like, it, it depends on what you're doing training wise. I remember hearing uh, one year that Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard was, you know, I think he had the either the highest average fastball velocity or he was second highest or something. And I remember like that off season, he did an interview saying he wanted to come back throwing harder. And I'm like, for what? You're already throwing like 100, 101. Like you want to come back throwing 105? And then you have injuries. So I, I just think that, you know, it's tougher, like the, some of the wear and tear on your body, um, being a bigger guy. Um, yeah, it can definitely play a factor. It can definitely play a factor. But I mean, you look at Jason Worth. Now, Jason was a guy I don't think really, he didn't really lift like a whole lot of weights or anything. His thing was more like flexibility, mobility. And he's one of those guys, like when you watch him swing, it's like he can almost turn all the way around when he when he swings. And he, that's where he got so much more torque. So I think now it's like having the flexibility and the mobility and not having as much stress on your joints. I think whether you're a bigger guy, probably going to have, yeah, a little bit more stress on those joints. But even even for the, the smaller guys, you know, the Altuves and, and, and guys of that sort in the game, I think it, I, me personally, I think it's more about the mobility, um, having that, that mobility and flexibility in the game as more so as about like how much weight you can really push around. I also think too, cause you know, the second half of my career, I really got on that nutrition and the training side. I, I do think it is too, you know, when I talk to young players and I see the different, and there's so much available to the young players today, as far as technology and how to train, how not to train, uh, I think you got to find your niche too. You mentioned yeah. Jason Worth. You got to find what works for you individually. Just because mm -hmm. one guy does, uh, you know, is is an aerobic based workout, and another guy is a is a weight based, it doesn't mean that's for you. Whatever works for you, you know. Right. So if it, you know, if it's you based, well, I, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because I got a question for you, too, because it's like when you look at the guys, a lot of the old school pitchers, right? You see a lot of the injuries and arm injuries that you have today. But then look at what a lot of the old school guys were doing, right? Guys weren't necessarily pushing a lot of weight. You know, their stuff was more about that agility or, or mobility and flexibility. Like, you know, Nolan Ryan started kind of doing weights, I think, what, probably like later, a little bit later in his career. Right. But a lot of those guys just – you ask the old school guys, and they're like, all we did was just – we threw, threw, threw. Yeah, and, and, and there's a big debate about <clears> – especially with the guy – you know, the Randy Johnson type. It was mm -hmm. like he threw 125 pitch. It was no big deal. That was kind of normal for him. He never got hurt. 
mm-hmm. in between in between starts, there's the big debate where do you throw off flat ground or or you throw from the mound, uh, and there's and there's you know there's debates that go on. But I but I look at the players today, and I'm not going to just get involved and say, oh, this is wrong, this is right. right. Uh, but but you do you see more injuries today? You see pitchers. Oh, we can't push them past a hundred. I think the old school guys are kind of looking. I'm like, what do you mean you can't push them past a hundred? That's what we did. It, it was a part of staying healthy to to mm-hmm. stretch it out instead of just be so rigorous to these to these rules of oh you can't throw past a certain amount. Now time time will work out. You know, uh, yeah. data that we find over the next 10, 15, 20 years. I think that will help and assess how they go about it going forward. But, but it's not necessarily, I, I, I don't necessarily buy, Oh, you can only throw a certain amount of pitches if you're a starting pitcher and, and this and that, I think past history has proven that to be false, but uh, it's going to be interesting in the game going forward. Uh, what is going to be the, the standard? Is it going to be the way it is now? Is it going to be the way it is 20, 20 years, 20 years ago? What's it going to be like 20 years from now? And, and I think it's interesting just to debate it. Well, you know, it, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that it's just going to be an ever-going process. Uh, yeah. Like you said, for each, for each player, everybody's different. For each organization, every organization is different. And it's always, you know, trying to find, okay, what's the right match? What's the right niche to help this player be as optimal as they can right. possibly be. I remember kind of towards the end of my career coming in, you know, they were wanting to give the guys like the sensors that would, you know, measure their recovery. And me, you know, being the being the the the, the veteran guy, I'm kind of like, what is this? Like we didn't have any of this stuff. You know, and it's like, well, wait, it when you're trying to play for a potential another contract, it's like, all right, well, this is just another thing you can potentially use against me, right? In, in contract negotiations or whatever. But right, then when right. you really stop, but when you stop and look at it and it's like, okay, what are the benefits of it? Where it's saying like, hey, you're only getting six hours of sleep or eight, seven hours of sleep or whatever. Like to be optimal, you need eight hours, seven and a half to eight hours sleep or whatever it is so that you can recover and be able to try to help understand. So it's like now looking at it, you know, at this point, it's like, okay, I get it. I get it now. It's, it's again, trying to find what's going to help make the guys the most optimal because our thing was playing. Booney was, yo, bro, if, if I'm there, I'm in there every day. Without a doubt. I'm in there every day. And if the manager gave you a day off, it was just like, I'm just going to give you a day just to give you a day. Or if you were kind of in a, a bit of a rut, hey, I just want you to clear your head. I'm going to give you the day off against this guy today or whatever, you know, but it's like now guys are having days, days off built in strategically mm-hmm. so that they can continue to be their optimal selves when they're able to get out there. Cause you know, as well as I do, at least for me, it was, if I got a day off, like, I'm, I'm pissed. Regular, well, <laughs> I was, I was, I was wanting to be in. I remember Charlie set me out against uh, Randy Johnson. I was like, Charlie, like, why? Like, I'm not, I mean, obviously this is what, this wasn't 98 mile per hour, Randy, but I was like, Charlie, I'm not, you know, I want, you know, I want a piece, man. I want, he's one of the best, man. I want to go after him. He's like, I know, I know, son, but you just, I'm, I'm just going to give you a day. I'm going to give you a day, right? Right. And well, you 
you being Ryan Howard at the time, you go, I don't want Randy having the satisfaction satisfaction of knowing he thinks I'm ducking him and I got right. nothing to do with it. It's it's my skipper telling me what to do. Yeah, I think it's, you know, Ryan, I, I've gone back and forth in this. I'm very open-minded to, to, mm-hmm. to training techniques and I'm not from that camp of, oh, when I played, it's it was the greatest. No, there's a lot of things about my generation into the early 2000s that I love and I think play well in today's game. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm very open to some of the new things that these kids are being introduced to and, yeah. and what they have access to. Part of me is very jealous because I wanted as much info as you could possibly give me. If I had uh, a way of monitoring, hey, what do I, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Now, I think too much too much technology, too much data in the wrong hands can be a detriment. I, I think it can set you back if you're constantly, oh, whoa, my, my sensors told me I, I, I needed another hour last night. Can I get two hits tonight? You know, I think right. that can be mental mental things I can mess with you. There's, there's definitely a thing of too much information. But for right. me, man, I, I, I'd be a kid in a candy shop having the inf- info and the data and the technologies these guys have today. It's like, give me it, give me everything I can. Yeah. And now I'll look at what I need to look at. Have a, ha- I'll have a plan going forward, use what I can use, discard, which I think I, I don't need, but man, I'd be ready for battle. Cause I'd have all the Intel, I, man. I, I sit there and I see these guys with their, with their iPads in the, in the dugout. And I'm thinking, Oh, what would I, what I would give? Cause back when I'm playing, you know, we we're getting into DVDs and, I'd run into the tunnel right after it at bat. I'd be like, I'd be yelling at our video guy. Hey, bring up that last pitch. You know, I want to see what, and sometimes the technology works. Sometimes it won't just having that guy sitting there with the iPad going, all right, let me see those last two pitches. Ah, for me, it would be awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, Technology doesn't get worse. It gets better. It's how we use that technology going forward. I think is the, the success and the failure rate. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Like you said, it's it's using it to your advantage for what works for you. And then if it doesn't work for you, you just you got to let it go. Uh, you finished your career after 16, uh, 382 homers, 11, almost 1200 RBIs. Um, for me at the time when I when I retired, uh, I ended up retiring. Then I came out of retirement and I, and I re-retired after I came back. I realized, you know, I was 37, 38 years old and I just wasn't moving uh, like I used to. I couldn't play every day and the writing was on the wall and I felt good about it. And I had some closure and, and, uh, <clears throat> 08, I was officially done and I was okay with it. Do you have a tough time walking away? Was it easy for you or was it a process? <laughs> um, you know, it was, it, it, as you, as you say, it's like, it's, it's tough. I think that when, when players are done, a lot of guys want to try to leave out on their own terms um, and, and be able to have that closure. Um, you know, I did want to try to continue to play in 17. Um, did a small little stint with like the Braves AAA and then the Rockies AAA. And this was when the game, I think, was, was starting to kind of turn more into the analytics of it all. And it was more, um, you know, like obviously the turnover, I think I was like 37, 38 at the time or whatnot. But I just said to myself, I'm like, man, if I can't get a big league uh, spring training invite, then I'm just going to shut it down. I was like, I'm not going to chase something that doesn't want to be caught. 
So, you know, didn't get an invite in, in big league spring training. And so at that point I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to shut it down in 2018 and made it, made it official. Um, there's always that little bit, there was always that little bit of like, you know, you're still watching the game and you're like, oh yeah, I could have been doing this or I could have done that and, and all that. But it's like, it's like at this point now it's like, man, some of these pitchers, this, this stuff is filthy. <laughs> like, it you know, the, the running and, 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 and the spring track, like all this stuff, like the camaraderie of getting around the guys. It's like, you pick up right where you left off. So you always enjoy and can miss that. But I'm like the day in the daily, the, the daily grind of it all. It's like, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm all right. I'll like, tell you, you're right. Cause I'll watch, you know, I'll catch it. I'm watching a game, you know, I'm watching games on a daily basis and certain nights I'll be watching a pitcher on the mound and I'll go, that's what makes me happy. You know, when people say, Brett, do you miss the game? Of course I miss the game. It was my whole life, you know, since I was <laughs> this high, that's all I ever did is play baseball. And I grew up in, in a baseball world. And then I, I did it for a living for a long time. So of course I miss it. But certain nights I watch, you know, like I watch a uh, a Jason DeGrom pitching. I know he's hurt now. And I'll go, I don't miss that. I don't yeah. miss chasing that slider off the plate. That out of his hand I read as a heater. <laughs> I don't miss that one bit. But, yeah, everything yeah. else, the camaraderie, hanging out with the guys, getting up and, and, and being on a mission together and fighting to, to try for that ultimate uh, goal of winning a World Series. Yeah, I do miss that. But chasing that slider off the – off the plate? No, don't miss that one bit. Uh, no. Little post post career for you, and this is really interesting. Now, I I saw Ryan Howard doing the subway commercials. I thought they were great, <laughs> but I didn't know you wrote a bunch of children's books. You've got six of them. Tell me what 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 brought that on. So my wife uh, was a second grade teacher um, outside of and uh, in, in a school up outside of Philadelphia. And she just came to me one day and she was like, man, I would just always like thought about wanting to like write a book. I was like, why not? Like, why can't we? So um, we came up with the Little Rhino series, came up with six books, um, stuff just kind of like loosely based on, you know, my life, things that took place, my wife's life as well. Um, and just thought it would be really, really cool to, to, to do the books and kind of have like little messages and whatnot in the books for, for kids to be able to read and enjoy um, and just understand that like, Hey, if you're, you're feeling a certain way about certain things or whatnot, like you're, you're not alone and try to give some solutions on how to kind of deal with some of that. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American express business gold card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, us restaurants and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Very cool. Uh, Got to tap you. You're on a a, – and these are the cool things about Philadelphia. I mean, I know you had – they named a character in the office after you, Ryan Howard. Stuff like that is cool. You got to go on a you and Utley did a uh, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Stuff like that. Did you enjoy doing stuff like that? 
You know what? I did. My major in college was communications, mass media. So it's like if I didn't play baseball, I was like, it's either doing something in like radio, TV, whatever, whatnot. But being able to kind of like step outside of the comfort zone and step outside my box and and do some some cameo appearances on some shows were really cool because I always enjoyed seeing other people in their niche and how they go about doing their work and what kind of goes on behind the scenes with that. So it's like you said, doing the subway, like doing being able to see all the stuff that takes place, you know, and behind the scenes and the commercials and and the dressing of the sandwiches and like just all of that for like a, a, a 30 second, one minute spot, you know? So it's like, you're doing stuff for six hours for 30 seconds. So, I mean, the amount of work and just dedication from all these people, it's, it's really cool to, to kind of do and, and, and see and always sunny uh, was really cool. Like being able to do it with chase, because if anybody who's known chase, it's like, you just knew him from being on the field. He was just the hard nose, like, don't talk to me. Had like kind of like that old school, like, don't talk to me if you're on the other team, like mentality. So it was like at that time, him coming out and kind of doing the, the show together was was really cool. He's sneaky funny too, by the way, for, for folks that know. Oh, yeah. Chase, oh, hot mess. Hot mess. Love every <laughs> bit of it. Love every bit of it. The guys that are close behind, it's – the, the guys that are close, you know, behind the scenes, we, we all know. We oh, all well, know without without a doubt. Without exactly. a doubt. Yeah, and it's funny having that insight on people, you know. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends in the game to this day is Edgar Martinez. And believe me, his reputation of being this, one of the nicest guys in the game and the most humble, all true. But behind the scenes – He's a lot of he's a lot of fun, you know, and he's this big teddy bear. Oh, yeah, but he's 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 I believe he's he's he's, 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 what I, he's he's what I would like. I'd call him a party in a box. Yeah, he's, he's a party in he, a box is what he Edgar is. is awesome. And uh, like I said, one of my true good friends to today, everything you hear about him uh, of just a humble you know, I don't know how many batting titles he won, but as humble as as all get out, and and that is all true. But he's a lot of fun too, and he's oh, funny. Man. He's that sneaky funny, like you talk about. I I, I can't even get on the phone with him. He'll he'll call me once in a while. And we'll talk. He's like, yeah, Boone, I am just floating in my pool watching the Mariners game, and he'll have questions, and and we'll get to reminisce. But just hearing that broken that accent and that and that broken English that only Edgar can do it his way. I, it, it gives me a lot of joy. Like, all right, we're back. And, and that's a part of being back in that clubhouse again. It's like, wow, I remember this. I got a chance, uh, Ryan, and I've shared this, uh, you know, coming back home. It, and I'm going to get to this and before we're finished. But I think Philly does a great job with bringing you guys in every year. I know my dad's a part of that that family that comes back every year to Philadelphia. And and I look at all the organizations, and Philly's right at the top as far as handling that alumni and bringing guys back through and letting the letting the fans really connect with the past and the present. I think Philly's one of the top notch in in all the game. But touching on on things we miss about the game as we as we get as we get farther removed from our playing career. Uh, just being up in Seattle a few weeks ago that we were both up there for the All-Star game. You know, they announced our, our 01 team before the game. And in just the 20 minutes I had with the 01 teammates, you know, the Freddie Garcias, 
coming back and the Kazuhiro Sasaki's and Johnny Olerud, who was my, was my, uh, my right side of the infield for a lot of years. And, and Edgar Lou Pinella, my skipper coming back in and they put us all in a room for about 20 minutes before we went back on the field. And I, and my job was, and, and it is, Hey, get Lou going, get him some questions and then <laughs> turn him loose. Turn them loose on the room. And for 20 minutes, I saw more smiles and genuine love in that room. Uh, and I felt like it was 20 years ago. Uh, again, only for 20 minutes, we got it. But those are the special times in, in game and our careers that, that you can't get back. So when you get a little glimpse of them and you get to, to have that opportunity, however short it may be, uh, man, I, I really – it was a time where I really treasured and thought this is – what it's all about and how lucky am I to get to do what I did for so long. And, and these moments remind me of that. So a, a, a little sappy story for you, but I thought wow. it was, was relevant to this conversation. No, you know what? It's, it's, it's smack dab on because it's the same exact thing. When you get our group of guys together last year, um, as you mentioned, like the Phillies do an amazing job with alumni weekend, bringing guys back. Um, we had a bunch of guys from that 08 team that came to the World Series. Like the Phillies brought a lot of us back. And, you know, we were all up there. We're, we're rooting on, you know, the current team. The, the, the crowd is, is, is getting hyped because they're showing, you know, the guys from the 08 team and they're just getting pumped and energized for the guys that are currently on the field. But it's like you said, you get Charlie in the room and you get all of us in the room and the conversations that just take place and it's just like like you said it's just like being there it's like being back in 2008 and, and all those years just from being in the clubhouse and guys picking up those relationships and those conversations just as though it was yesterday so it's like those those relationships um and those moments will 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 never die it's it's always going to be the same way i feel very cool very cool um before I let you leave, I one thing, and, and this is a guy I grew up with, and mm -hmm. he's a legendary guy. We lost him a few years ago, but but you got to see uh, him early in his career. Just say a few words about Harry Callis. Oh, man. HK. What I mean, what can you say about – so I was lucky enough in – growing up, obviously, in St. Louis, we had Jack Buck right. as, you know, the announcer for the Cardinals. And then you had Harry Carey for the Cubs. So, like, I grew up hearing and listening to those guys, those guys. And I always thought it was the coolest thing. But then to get to Philadelphia and have a guy like Harry Callis, like, calling your, calling your home runs and just talking to you. And HK was so cool because, like, majority of the media people would sit in the front, right? So you had, like, the – like, you had the uh, – yeah, the coaching staff and like the media people would all sit to the front of the team playing. HK was like in the very back <laughs> of the plane, like back by the players, just lounging out. The nicest guy you could ever meet. Always so kind to 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 me, to to my family. Um, but just hearing him, you know, call a home run. Uh, Man, it was like it's it's one of the most absolute honors that I could ever have, and 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 you try not to look at it and take those types of things for granted, 
but it's like going back and hearing him call some of the, the, the balls that I've hit or some of my teammates have hit. It's special, man. It, it, it really is special. Um, and he is always going to be a part of that Philly family and as, as he should be. Very cool. You, you keep it up with the Phillies today. I, I know a year ago you watched that you, you went in for the world series. Uh, as we record this podcast, um, the Phillies are right there. They're sitting just on the outside of that, of that, uh, of that wild card berth. Wild card, yep. And mm-hmm. what do you think? Can they make another run? Are they I good think- enough? I think the Mets, the, the Mets kind of gave them an opening. You know, everybody expected the Mets would have a really good season. They've had a very, uh, you know, rough season. <laughs> let's, let's be nice yeah. about it. Rough season. People didn't expect that, but what do you look at this year's Phillies team? Do they have a chance to make another run like they did a year ago? I think they do. I think they do. And, um, you know, knock on wood, it's, it was probably close to around this time last year. You know, when you get to the back half of August, we all know Booney is about who gets hot at the right time going into September. And I've been saying this, that, you know, winning the division is, is great. Like every, that's what everybody wants to try to do is go and win the division. But now that you have these wild card teams and you got the extra spot for the wild card team, it's the wild card teams to me are the most dangerous teams because they've been in playoff mode since probably the back half of August and most definitely all of September, because every game for them in September is me is, is beyond meaningful. Right. So this was a team that, you know, they, they got out to a slow start. The Phillies got out to a slow start, but I, I think that's just kind of the repertoire of, of, of of, of Philly, because even when I was there, we'd always have slow starts in April and start to pick it up over the course of the year. But it's, as you know, the old cliche is it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So now once you start to get to September is when you start to kind of pick it up and, and start to get into that sprint, that sprint mode. But I think if they can continue to just, you know, stay healthy and just keep playing ball, I think they're going to be uh, – I think with this group of guys that they have and the leaders that they have and obviously getting a taste of not only making the postseason for the first time last year, but going all the way to the World Series, I, they understand what it takes. Um, the one big thing, too, for me last year, once they actually got into it, was we got to see something that we haven't seen in a long time, Booney, and that was small ball. Yeah, Phillies were winning games playing small ball. Get them on, bunt them over. Now, you could probably say it too because back then it was like you had your leadoff hitter and a lot of times if a guy was on second or whatever or even on first, you didn't even have to – the coach didn't even have to give the sign. That next guy came up and knew what to do. Like when we had Jimmy and Shane and those guys, it was Jimmy got on. If Jimmy got a double, Shane was bunting. There was no sign necessary. Like Shane was bunning. So that way Chase, myself, Pat, or whoever was coming had opportunities to be able to try to get that run home. So I think the small ball with the Phillies also helped a lot. I think you're probably going to see some more of that coming in towards the back half of, of, of September. Swarbs is going to hit his bombs and Bryce is going to do his thing. Everybody's going to do their thing. But once you get down to the back end of September and it's close to, those post, to that postseason, you're going to see them start. 
I think probably doing some more small ball and, and do what they need to, to truly win those games. I laugh because pe- people do, they call it small ball. And, and when I was playing, it wasn't small ball. It's how you play baseball. And yeah. those are those early 2000 Seattle Mariner teams I was on. Uh, like you said, if somebody leads off with a double, it was automatic and not necessarily yeah. got to bunt them over, but you get them over. However you yeah. get them over one hop rocket to the second baseman works. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's a sack fly. And it's one, nothing before the, it seems like it's one to nothing before the national anthem's done. Right. And that over time, when you play the game that way, over time, that wears down your opponent because your opponent starts to go here. The, here, here, the Phillies go again. It's one, nothing mm-hmm. before, before we know what hits us after a while that will beat you down as an opponent. Mm-hmm. And I think the great teams do it. We've gotten away from that as a, as a, I like a lot of things with the modern game, but getting away mm-hmm. from playing the game correctly, I think is a detriment to the game. You play the game, right. And, and even if you're a star in the middle of the lineup, if, if Ryan Howard comes up with a runner on second, nobody out and gets him over with a ground ball to the right side, that guy hitting behind you on deck, he might not have driven in a run for a week. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, he hits a can of corn fly ball. He can drive a run in again. Mentally, he's he's there now because mm-hmm. why? Because Ryan Howard hit a ground ball to the right side. And all of a sudden, he goes, if Ryan Howard's going to do that for me, I'm going to do it for the guy behind me. Next thing you know, everybody's doing it for the next guy. And you have team camaraderie like you couldn't mm-hmm. imagine. And the great teams I've ever played on had that team camaraderie. Everybody down to that 25th, now 26-man roster, mm-hmm. had each other's back. And it and it starts with the stars, the guys in the middle of that lineup. If they're willing to do it, well, damn it, that 25th guy on the roster, that utility player, he sure as hell is going to do it as well. And I think that's how you you t- create that team chemistry that, that you can't really – uh, you can't teach it. You just get, it, it, it yeah. comes with, with how you perform, how you go about your business. Anyway, no, that, that's, that's good. Well, stuff. Absolutely. It, and, and another thing to add though, too, Booney is you're putting pressure on the defense. If a guy is yeah. coming up and bunting, you know, it, you're putting, you, you, you lay down a perfect bunt. And if you're a speedster, you might make that guy make a mistake. All of a sudden he throws it past the first baseman. Not only does the guy go from first, to third, now you got two runners on at second and third. So again, it's a, it's about putting pressure on the defense um, as well as now you've got the big bulk with nobody out. You got first and or you got second and third. You got your three, four, five coming up. I'll take my chances <laughs> and and, right. and let it eat. You know, now I got I got at least two shots for a sack fly. And if this guy can get a base hit, that's two runs right there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just continuing. Like you said, it's playing the game uh, the way baseball was supposed to be played. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And I think, I think maybe some other teams might look into getting to it because once you get into the postseason, the pitching and everything just gets better, everything gets heightened, and you know how hard it is to come across runs, to come by runs. Yeah. So you got to figure out ways to produce runs and manufacture runs. Like it's not going to always just be the home run, but you know, you just, you got to figure out ways to, to scratch and claw and fight and, and win the games. Yep. Right. Howard, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming on the boom podcast and uh, what a great career. I wish you all the best. It was great. Uh, 
you know, getting to you know you a little bit at the in this last oh, man, trip we had it. up to Seattle. But uh, class act, and and like I said, what a what a great career. I know that Philly trip's coming up for you pretty shortly here, so enjoy it. If you run into Bob Boone, keep him straight. Keep him straight <laughs> for sure. For <laughs> all right, sure. man, and for all you out there watching or listening to the Boone podcast, I appreciate you checking us out, and uh, we'll see you next time. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.